couple of weeks ago, we started our series in the book of James. Uh, we called it uh, Putting Your Faith to Work. Uh, and the whole idea behind, behind this is if James could give you the entire summary of his book, it would just be this. And he writes like this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone has faith but does not have works? That's it. That's all, that's the crux of his message. What good is it if you have faith, but there are no works to accompany it? And so this morning, we're going to dive into it a little bit. And uh, if you were with us, if you haven't been able to uh, hear one of our sermons, I would highly encourage that you go. It's on our website. Do take a, take a listen. It's just a powerful message that James has for the church today. Um, James is writing... He is writing to a church. He's writing to a church of Jewish believers that, that were at one time, they were in their own country, but they had to flee because of persecution, and now they're dispersed. And he's writing to a people. As we start chapter one, you see that he's talking about, he's looking at them and he's saying, I know your life is hard right now. I know you're in the midst of some of the worst trials anyone could face. And he tells them this one thing. Hold on. Just hold on. Because he says, this is, this is what I know, that your trial is big, but God is bigger. The God that's working in your life, he is using your trial to accomplish something even bigger than what you're going through. I know your pain is massive, your pain is incredible, but there is a work that is happening within your life. And that's what James is saying. He's saying, if you're going through that right now, hold on. Hold on. Embrace your trial because God is using that. And then he continues. He realizes that there's, it's not just trial that people go through. He says, you may be tempted. And if you're facing temptation, he says one thing, resist. Because again, he knows that God is greater than your temptation. The temptation that you may face right now, it's, it's an empty temptation. It offers you something but can't deliver. But he says there is a God who is much bigger, who actually gives. He is the author of good gifts. And so today we find ourselves towards the end of chapter one, and we're talking, and he's talking to us about another T word. Um, we had the trials in the beginning, the temptations last week, and today he's talking about how we respond to another item in life, another moment in life. You see, someone once said, life is 10% of what happens to us. 10% of life is what happens to us. The other 90% is how we respond to what happens to us. Right? Our response is important. Our response to how things come at us, our response to what is good, what is bad, the ugly, that's what matters. Our character in those moments matter. And so today we are in James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27, and um, those, as we go into the word, the words are not on the screen, and we've been doing this intentionally for a few, bit, a few weeks now. We're tr uh, there is something about diving into the word, or actually pulling out a Bible. Um, it, I hope you have one with you. If you don't, maybe you have an app. If you don't have that, there is a Bible right in the seat front, uh, in the pocket in front of you. You may have to 
go through a couple of chairs to find one, but do pull that out. Let's turn to the book of James. James is towards the back. If you've, if you've hit Revelation, you've gone too far. Um, it's right after the book of Hebrews. So James chapter 1. We're in James chapter 1, and I'm going to read from verse 19. We're going to go through the end of the chapter. This is what James writes. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if, every, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their afflictions and to keep oneself unstained from the world." Today, on this very day, millions around this country are going to do one thing. They're going to do one thing. And no, it's not watch football tonight. It's, they're going to go to church. I mean, just because of how big a country we are, there, there, there are millions of us who will find ourselves in a church service. Again, uh, denominations and all that, it, it in all those included, they'll sing a few songs, they'll say a few prayers, they'll sit under the teaching of the word. But here's the unique part of it. Every one of us, we live in a culture today, we live in a space and a time where the word of God is abundant, especially in, the, in this moment. And I'm, I know very much the fact that we live in a time that is very antagonistic towards the word, but... The word of God is around us if we only open our eyes, uh, our eyes and our ears to hear. Whether you're in church, you come into church, you'll hear the word of God being preached. Maybe you'll go home, you'll pull up a podcast, or maybe you'll read a blog from your fa favorite author, or whatever it is, the word is around you. And many of us, many millions of us, we're going to hear the word, we're going to ingest the word, we're going to take it in. You may attend a Bible study, you may attend, uh, you may do all these things. And here's the, here's the aim of preaching. Here's the aim of communicating the word. Here's the aim of that Bible study. Here's the aim of the podcast that the hearer would take this in. And if they do not know Christ, that they would encounter Christ. And if they do know Christ, that they would be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. That's the aim. So if you have the millions of people doing this, and the aim of doing this is, is becoming like Christ then the result must be we have millions of people who are exactly like Christ, right? Do we see that around us? Is that always the case? Somehow, there's a disconnect. 
There's a disconnect between the aim and the result. There's a disconnect between the goal and the result. Somehow along the way, there are people who hear, but people who are not so, like, so much like Christ. There's a disconnect. So James, he, he describes that for us. He describes it exactly this way. In verses 23 to 24, he says, um, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he himself looks and goes away and forgets once and at once forgets what he's like. This is what Paul, uh, James is saying. He's saying it's like a man who pulls out a mirror and he's staring at himself and he uses the word intently. He uses the word intently. He is he's examining himself. He's looking. He is he is he, is, uh, he takes it all in. And the moment he puts it away, he's forgotten everything that he's seen. Imagine if you would, as I'm, as I'm looking at this mirror, I look at my face and I suddenly realize that I have spinach in my teeth. Or maybe I, had, I have a stain across my jacket. Or maybe I woke up and didn't realize that I still have bedhead. Or there's something that's on me that the mirror looks at and confronts that in me. I see it, okay, and I walk away and do nothing about it. What would you call me? You call me foolish for not responding, for not looking, not realizing that there is something being called out, there's something being pointed out, and yet I don't respond to it. And James is saying, when you look at the mirror, you look at the Word of God, the Word of God confronts you, the Word of God looks at you, the Word of God points something out, the Word of God responds to something that's in your life, and it plainly shows you as a mirror, and yet you can look at it and walk away. So you're saying, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's hyperbole. I mean, no one looks at a mirror and just walks away. Obviously, no one does that. But in 2006, a medical study was done, all right? And this study kind of reveals how it's, it, this, this principle plays out in real life. Roughly, according to the study, roughly 600,000 people have heart bypasses in the U.S. alone every year. Now... These people are told after their bypass that they must change their lifestyle. As you can imagine, they, the doctors tell them that the, high, the bypass is a temporary fix and that they have to change their diet, they have to quit smoking, quit drinking, they must exercise, they must reduce their stress. In essence, the doctors are saying, stop what you're doing, change your ways, or it'll lead to death. Change or die, Right? You would think that a near-death experience would for, forever grab the attention of these patients, right? You would think that, man, facing your mortality would change the way you perceive life, that change the way you come to life. According to the study, 90% of these heart patients don't change. That's 90%. 90% study after study indicates that for two years after heart surgery, the patients have returned to their life as status quo. Everything that they used to do, they're still doing. So what is it about us that we can look in a mirror, see something wrong in ourselves, see something that needs to be corrected, and walk away saying it's okay? Or walk away just not responding to it? 
You see, James is using some powerful images here. He's using the image of a person in front of a mirror, but he's also using some powerful words. He says, if you do this, if you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're deceiving yourself. You're conning yourself. That's some pretty powerful words. So the question is, why is it that you and I, why is it that we can approach ourselves with such, such apathy, we can approach with such complacency towards the word, we can come to ourselves, we can deceive ourselves into a state of false complacency and just be hearers of the word and not doers? Why is it that we can look at the mirror and be confronted by the image we see and yet not respond? See, sometimes you and I can hear the word and walk, walk away unchanged because of how we respond to it. Because of how we respond to it. Jesus, when he was, he was here, when he was with his disciples, he was teaching and he encountered this crowd and we find this in Luke 8. And this is what we read. A sower, he, 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 uh, he's telling them a parable and this is what he says. A sower went out to sow his, feet, uh, his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and were trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on the rocks and it grew up, but it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and with, grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has an has a ear, let him hear. What is Jesus saying? That there's one sower. There's the seed. The seed is the word of God. And the soils he's saying are the people's hearts. So there is one sower, one seed, yet four different outcomes. How can... How can that one seed produce four different outcomes? He's saying sometimes when we come to the word, we can, we can be so distracted... It's like those thorns that come up, that grow up alongside it, and eventually the word is choked out of our lives. You see, we live in such a fast-paced culture. We're bombarded with information. We're bombarded with media. We're bombarded with our schedules. We're bombarded with family uh, uh, responsibilities. We're bombarded with so much around us that so often the word of God gets last place. It is choked out of our own lives. We can look at a mirror and not be so distracted that we don't respond to it. Or sometimes we can ignore the word completely. It can be like it, it fell on rocky ground. Where we sometimes in, in our own lives we have a way of compartmentalizing it. And sometimes I, I, me personally, that's one of my, just the way I deal with life. I compartmentalize everything. Which is not the greatest way to deal with, with stuff. So sometimes we can come to church, we have, we have our church box, we sing, we worship, we have fellowship, we hear the word, and when it comes around 12.30, it's time to step out of the church box and into Sunday night box. And then you have the Monday morning box, the work box, then you have the family box, then you have the hobby box, then you have all these different compartments where we don't let our faith inform the rest. Sometimes when our faith calls us out, we just ignore it. We just skirt around it. 
When our faith calls us to something hard, we try to figure out ways around it. The mirror looks, and yet we look away. Or sometimes we just plain forget. And that's nature. That's our human nature. We, do, we're, we are not always retaining everything. But there's something that James is calling us out to. He says, the man who looks intently at the mirror, the man who overcomes distraction, the man who overcomes ignoring, the man who overcomes forgetfulness, he looks at the mirror because there is a work that needs to be done. And you see, this can become a serious problem when, not, when left unchecked. When we listen to the word of God, we believe certain things, and yet our lives speak differently. When we profess certain things, yet we live a different way. When our Sunday mornings look drastically different than a Monday morning. When our Sunday personalities look drastically different than a Thursday night. There's something that's gone wrong. You see, James has a word for it. Jesus himself, he calls it, he calls these people hypocrites. And James, he calls it, he's calling it out and saying, this is false religion. You see, religion today, especially in our day and age, has gotten a bad rap because, because of a lot of things that happen within the church, within the religious community that look, people from outside look at it and go, why would I ever want that? You see, the reason why that is happening is because you have people who are hearers of the word, who profess the word, but yet do not do the word. Or they do opposite to the word. And by doing that, you're harming yourself. James says you're deceiving yourself, but even so you bring, bring greater harm by bringing dishonor to God, bringing dishonor to the community of believers. When we take in the word and yet do not respond in faith, we become the problem. So then the obvious question this morning is, how do we fix it? How do we fix it? You see, true religion is this. True religion is responding rightly to the word of God. That's it. True religion is responding rightly to the word of God. The word of God contains everything that is needed for your life, for daily survival, for, for destiny, for everything that you need. And if only you would respond the right way, life would be set. True religion is responding to the word of God rightly. Let's go to verses 19 and 20. This is where James starts and he says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you're going to be genuine in religion, this is what James has, is saying. It has to start with how we respond to the truth in the word of God. Honestly, I don't think this is, there is a much more needed message today to the church than this right here. James is looking at the church and he's saying, be quick to listen, but slow to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You see, we live in a culture where everyone has a voice. But everyone also wants to be heard. 
And so we speak, and sometimes we speak louder, sometimes we speak even louder than the one that's next to us, and we try to make our voice known. We have opinions on every single topic out there. We have become a reactionary culture where someone posts something, someone says something, and we find it in ourselves. It's instinctive that we have to respond to it. And so often that response is not thought out. So often our response is, is something done in haste. And Paul is, uh, I'm sorry, James is saying, slow down. Be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. And slow to speak. We all want to say something. But the scripture says slow down. We live in a culture where the right tweet has to go out the right picture put on Instagram or Snapchat, the right post posted. And we all seek that audience. We all seek. There's something in us that says people, people want to hear what you, have to, what you have to say. And reality is they don't. They really don't. But yet there's something in us that compels us to speak. You see, that doesn't just happen in in life, in normal, in, in normal mode, when you're in your trial mode, so often our response in moments of trial, our response in moments of conflict is to speak out and listen less. And Paul and, and James is saying that be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. In your trial, your, the temptation is to lash out in anger. When you're under stress, know that it's natural to want to talk and to say whatever crosses your mind. How many of you Maybe, you're, maybe it's coming to your own minds. Maybe it's coming up where you've said something in anger. You said something harsh in a moment, and it could never be brought back. How many of us wish we could bring that back? We could have unsaid something that was said. How many relationships have been destroyed because of a lack of listening and a quickness to speak and a quickness to anger? James is saying, slow down, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. A genuine person depends on the word to control his tongue, to control his emotions, to control his anger. But you see, I'm talking about relationships here, but what about a relationship with the word of God? Because that's where we are. James is saying there's a truth that is confronting you, and how do you respond to that? How do you respond to the truth that is being spoken? Again, he's saying, in moments of truth, when you are confronted, be quick to listen, slow to speak. You see, so often that we can come to the word and ask it a question, but we don't want to hear what it has to say. Right? We can come to the word, seeking an answer, and not necessarily wait for an answer. We come to God saying, God, this is what I'm facing in life. This is what I'm going through. And God says something, and we've already gone. We've set our peace, and we're done. Be humble. James is saying, be humble as you approach the word, not coming with your defenses up, which leads to anger and resistance to the word. Do you know that often we're tempted when, whenever we're facing something or whenever we have a question, we're tempted to write in or read into the passage meaning which was never intended. So often when we want, we want a certain answer, we'll pick and choose the scriptures that fit. When there's a lifestyle choice, we'll fit and pick and choose scriptures that fit, that justify our lifestyle. 
that justifies our choice, that justifies our wrongdoing. He's saying, be quick to listen because the word of God speaks. The Holy Spirit Spirit speaks through the word. Are you listening? Or are you the one speaking over? Slow down, pay attention to what God has to say to you today. And James is continuing in verse 21. See, so far he's been saying, the word of God requires your attention. Now he moves on to something else and he says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. He says, the word of God requires attention, but the word of God also requires reception. You see, he's telling us, he's telling the church, he's telling the people, there are two things that he wants to do. There's a negative and a positive. He's saying, put away, and also on the other side, receive. Put away, he's saying, put away moral filth. Put away the evil that you're surrounded by. The image that he's using, the words that he's using, is also the word that one would say, take off your jacket, take off your clothes, take off whatever is on you. And he's saying, take it off. Because you've surrounded yourself, you've clothed yourself in evil, you've clothed yourself in moral filth, and he's saying, take it off. Take the filth off so that you can do what? You can receive with meekness, receive with humility. You see, the second part of verse 21 gives us good news, that there is a word that is implanted in us. But we have to go back a little bit, go back into our, into our Old Testament to find out what this word is all about. In Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 33, this is what he says, look, the days are coming. And it's not on the screen, so I, I would ask that you just listen and take it in as this is God speaking through Jeremiah and says, look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration. And he's saying, I will put my teaching within them. He's saying, I'm going to take away what was old because the generation that, was, that, uh, that he gave the old covenant to, he gave the word to, the laws to, has broken them. He's, they have destroyed them. They've never kept them. And so now he's saying, I'm going to put in them a new covenant. Them includes you and me. And he says, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And to Ezekiel, he says, I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. He's saying, I am depositing my word in you. No longer is it on a stone tablet. No longer is it as it was with Moses and the Old Testament. No longer is it detached. No longer can you have distance from it and say, I don't know. It's in your hearts, he says. The, the word is implanted in you. If you've encountered the gospel, that's what he's saying. He's implanting the word in you. He's putting the word in you, but he's also going the extra step and he's putting his spirit in you. God, God puts his law and his spirit into our hearts. And through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, He moves us. This is what James is saying. God has planted His Word in us. And what is this Word? The writer of Hebrews says this. 
Hebrews chapter 4 verse 4 verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There is a work that this word does. There is a work that this word is doing in each of our hearts. It goes deep. It goes beyond the surgeon's scalpel. It goes within into our joints. It goes into our souls. It searches out the secrets. It, there is a work that God is doing in you through the word of God. And he is saying, I, it will confront you. It is active. It is active. It is breathing. It is living. And that is the word that he's deposited within your heart. The word of God is powerful. It is alive and it is active. It is confrontative. It is challenging. It is convicting, yet affirming. It will call out your sin, convict your heart, challenge you to action, and affirm your standing with God. You see what, what James is saying, but receive it. Receive it. There are two actions that James is calling us to. Get rid of and receive. You can't receive when you're holding on to something else. You can't have both. He says, get rid of the filth and then receive with humility. When you open your Bible, pray, saying, God, I trust you. I submit to you. I need you to help me because this is too much for me to comprehend. Incline my heart to love your word. Open, your, open my eyes to see the beauty and the greatness of what is contained within this word. Satisfy my soul with the glory of Christ revealed in all of this book. I submit myself. I yield myself to the truth that is found in this word and the value that is found in this word in meekness and in lowliness and humility. I come to this word. Let that be our prayer. That's our, that should be our attitude when we come into the word. Because sometimes, if we're truly honest with ourselves, we come in with our defenses up. We come in because we really don't want to hear what the word has to say to us. And he's continuing. In verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word. And not just hearers. Be doers of the word and not just doers, deceiving yourselves. James 1, verse 22, I feel to me is the crux of his message, is the crux of the entire book. It says, Be doers of the word and not just hearers. You have not really listened to the word of God if you have not obeyed the word of God. The bottom line is, the word evokes action. And there is no action from the word. If, if there's no action from the word, then there's clearly no acceptance of the word. If the word doesn't move you to action, if the word doesn't move you to compassion, if the word doesn't move you to, to sharing the gospel, if the word doesn't move you to humility, if the word doesn't move you to action, then have you really accepted the word of God? Because you see, the word is powerful, it is alive, it is active, and if it is, where's the evidence in your life? Have you accepted this word? Alistair Begg says, it is possible 
to be charmed by the Bible being taught without being changed by the Bible being taught. It is possible to be charmed by the teaching of the Bible without being changed by the teaching of the Bible. Today, where does the, what does the mirror tell you? What does the word of God tell you? When you look, what are you confronted by? Are you merely charmed? Do you come in Sunday after Sunday hearing, the, hearing a great message, hearing everything that everyone says, and then leave and come back the next Sunday never change at all? Because I know some of us, will, some of us are here that needs to hear this message. Please hear what I'm saying. Be doers. Be active with the word. Because to me, this word would have fallen flat if every one of you just came up to me after service and said, great word, pastor, and then went and lived your own lives the way you've lived it always. Be doers of the word. Basically, James is saying, stop the talk and start the walk. Where people who delight in the word of God, let's say we have a preacher that is a favorite We'll pack out churches, we'll pack out auditoriums, we'll pack out, pack out stadiums to hear this person. But how often do we take the words that we hear and put it into motion? If your, spirit is your, if your spiritual life is merely built on listening to the words of Jesus and not obeying them, then one day your life will eternally and ultimately end in destruction. There are countless people within the church that week by week, they come in, they hear, they leave, never change. There is a work, there is a movement that needs to happen within our own hearts. There is work that needs to be followed. There needs to be action that follows faith. But then you, some of you are sitting here saying, wait, I thought I was saved by faith and you're asking me to Work. Martin Luther says, a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, and suffers nothing is worth nothing. You see, let's go back to verse 21. In verse 21, there's a small word there that says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Salvation does not come from your work. Salvation comes from the word that is planted in you. Salvation does not come from you. Salvation comes from the Father above. Salvation comes from the work from above. Salvation comes from the cross. It's not dependent on your works. But if you've accepted the work, you will if you've accepted God's work, you will respond with your own. If you're in a relationship and never put any work into it, are you in a relationship? If you're in a marriage and you've never put any effort into it, I can guarantee you the marriage will fall apart. If you're in a relationship with God, he expects Jesus into his disciples. He says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my commandments. If anyone is consider, considers me his friend, he will obey my commandments. I'll call the worship team up and end with this. You see, 
Our obedience is grounded in his salvation. So now it's not so much if we, we can muster up, what can I do to be accepted of God? Because he's already done the work. But the word that's given in you, the words that's implanted in you, is a producing fruit. When I was in college, we, I, we had the option of auditing classes. And I often took advantage of auditing classes. So here's how a class audit works. I go to class, I listen to the, the professor, I, I sit there, take notes, do whatever. We listen, and I had the option of reading the book, so I would read the books. But that's where my engagement ended. You see, when you audit a class, you don't have to do the assignments. When you audit a class, you don't have to take the exams. Those are reserved for those who are actually enrolled in the course. But you see, it sounds like a great deal. Hey, all the knowledge, none of the work. But here's the difference. For me to graduate from university, auditing doesn't work. For me to actually make something of my life, make something of my degree, I have to be enrolled in class. I have to do the work. I have to face the exam. I have to go through what they mandate that I go through. So often when we come to the Word, when we come to a Sunday morning, we often approach it as auditors and not enrolled students. So often we can come into it saying, I want to listen, I want to hear, I want to enjoy it, but I don't want the change. You see, there's a bigger heart change that's happening than the, than the one in the study. And this doctor de this demands that you have a life change. He demands a certain level of living, a certain standard of living from you. gives you a new heart. He implants his word in you. He puts his spirit in you. And he's saying there is work that needs to follow. So this morning as I'm speaking, my prayer, my prayer this week has been, Lord, awaken in us. Call out of us. As we face this mirror, as we face the mirror of God, the mirror of the word of God, what we see. Lord, give us the courage. Give us the Holy Spirit. Help us so that we can confront what needs to be confronted, that we can put off what we need to put off, that we can receive what we need to receive, that we can do what we need to do. Because there are some of us on hearing this message that has to approach it with confession. Because for so long, we have been hearers. We've been hearers for us too long. We've heard it, heard it, heard it, and never applied it. And for us, those of us who've done that, we need to come in with confession, saying, God, I'm sorry. Moving forward, I need your Holy Spirit. I need the Spirit that you've deposited in me. I need the help of the Spirit to be a doer of the Word. Some of us have been putting off for a while what God has called us to do. A step of faith that God has called you to do. If God's word says, speak, speak. 
If God's word says share, share. If God says, God's word says receive the sick, receive the poor, receive the foreigner, receive the needy, receive, just do it. You see, so often our response is when I know a little bit more, then I will do it. Here's my guarantee, you will never know enough. You will never have enough to do what God has called you to do. And that's why it's His work and not your work. It's His assignment, not yours. Because if, it was, if you had what, you, what you, could, you needed, why need His help? The assignment that God's given you, the standard that He set before you is way bigger for you to do it on your own. You will never accomplish it. That's where our dependency on the Holy Spirit comes. He's saying, are you dependent on Him? Are you dependent on the Holy Spirit? Are you dependent? Are you crying out daily? Lord, I come to your word. Speak to me through your word. Speak to me. Help me comprehend. Let me understand. And is that word translated into work? So this morning as we close, wherever you are, the altars are open. The elders will come up in a moment. Wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. Please do not leave this place without having done the work of spending time with Christ. Please do not leave this place having confessed. Please do not leave this place having made decisions. Please do not leave this place without knowing what's coming up next, without having made that decision for Christ. If you've never encountered this Christ before, today He's inviting you into His presence. He's inviting you into a relationship with Him. He's inviting you. He's telling you, you've been trying it too, for too long all by yourself. The reality is it's not going to happen. It's only through Christ you have salvation. For the rest of us, my appeal to you this morning, do not leave without having done the hard work. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the mirror that is in front of us. We thank you for the reflection that we're able to see. We thank you that the word of God confronts us, shows us what we need to see, shows us what we need to change. Lord, give us the courage, give us the boldness, give us the ability through your Holy Spirit. Give us the anointing, give us the power to be able to make the changes you call us to, to be able to do the work you have called us to, to be able to accomplish the assignment that you have placed in front of us. Because Lord, we know that we are powerless without you. So this morning, Lord, we surrender our hearts. We surrender our minds. We surrender our hands to you. Do your work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.